This is Com Trues, and you are listening to the Paradise Arcade. Welcome to another episode of Audit Refrain. This week, we've got a really special episode. We've got Seth, a.k.a. Com Trues, joining us. Welcome. Uh, hello. Hello. Also, uh, Kyle couldn't make it in for this uh, episode, so I thought a perfect guest uh, co-host would be Ben, a.k.a. Hotel Pools. Ben, welcome on. Hello. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, so I'm really excited. We're going to talk about um, Galactic Melt um, track by track and and get your insight into this record. Um, for me, just a background, Seth. Um, it was the uh, the first thing that listened that I listened to that got me into the more um, retro facing music. It's the first thing that really hooked me. I heard some other stuff, but this was the album that made me go, "Oh, I get it. This is I love this." Um, so it's an important album for me because it, it's kind of changed my direction of a lot of things that I've done. And I know it's really important to a lot of other people, including Ben as well. Yeah. I mean, this record just, it means a lot. I mean, for me, the artwork in itself, when I saw it just kind of struck me and it was something that I've always kind of held up there as one of my favorite cover pieces. But beyond that, it's just, I don't know, these songs, like I, I always come back to this record. It's a record I'm always... You know, if I'm on a drive or I'm doing something random, that's the record I, I always seem to come back to. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of it's a special album for me. Awesome. So, Seth, could you set up how how this came together? You know, this is I think this is the second official Com Trues record, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Side Night Sisters was before that, but it, it really was an EP uh, that um, I put out on a net label. And then um, called AM Discs, and uh, then Ghostly. When I started talking to them, they wanted to re-release it with uh, bonus tracks and some samples removed, and you know things like that. So I guess it kind of became an, a record. But to me, it's always going to be an EP. So I mean, the Galactic Melt is the first Com Trues record, and, and to me at least, you know, really. Right. Um. And you've talked about that Com Trues is a is sort of a through line story, a character and the records are a journey through that story. Right. Yeah. I think I really came up with that kind of concept. Um, I think to really just facilitate me staying on track and kind of, you know, uh, giving me a little more, uh, to be inspired about, um, because generally I, I tried to, uh, avoid writing about you know immediate things in my personal life as as uh, you know or at least use them as direct inspiration for songs i, I think I'm, I'm more of a dreamer so i kind of went uh you know down that path with you know kind of creating the story uh narrative just to kind of it was really for you know personal reasons and then um you know talking with my manager we decided to kind of make it known you know that there was a story behind it that you know just kind of loosely came up with the story and we kind of ran with it and then i just kind of built upon that for you know the subsequent releases and, and things like that so what's interesting is that i had, had read an article i think it's about four years ago and this is around when persuasion system came out and it was you were talking about how that album was starting to be the end of the calm truths 
story. Um, obviously, you've released a couple. You've released, you know, the, the another record, and then in Decay Two. Is that still the case where you're you thinking about retiring the Calm Truce thing, or have you just evolved and that's what you're going to do music as? I guess it's more now. Uh, yeah, it's not really retired, but I, I I would think about it as like a broader ecosystem is where these kind of newer records, uh, you know, live. Um, Indicate two and and Indicate, um, those were always kind of outside the story. Uh, this original narrative, just because they were left like Indicate was leftover tracks from Galactic Mount. A lot of the music on Indicate I actually wrote before I wrote Galactic Mount stuff, so it's really weird to me. Uh, <laughs> like to um, try to fit them in with the storyline because it really it was all you know random stuff. It was leftover tracks and stuff before, and same thing with uh, you know Indicate Two. A lot of that music is is actually from you know, when I was writing Galactic Mount still, and then some new stuff and then the stuff along the way. So those two records are basically, they're just compilations. They don't really, they don't fit the story or have a story really. They're just a way for me to like close the vaults and stop having to go in and look for old files and, and missing sounds and all kinds of crap, you know? So <laughs> it's a way for me to just get rid, of, get rid of tracks that if they don't, you know, if they didn't come out on those compilations, they would just probably, you know, die in a hard drive somewhere. Gotcha. And I'm sure that, I mean, everyone appreciates that. I, I certainly like hearing those other maybe flavors or tones that don't fit thematically into a, a Com Trues record that you get to have other sides to your creative process. Yeah, I I tend to like, you know, I really try to write the record at the same time for the most part. Uh, sometimes it's difficult with life and uh, getting in the way and things like that. But yeah, to me as cohesive as those two records uh might feel they still if to me they're it's like a time warp through all kinds of periods you know so mm -hmm. you know so in a way cool. yeah in a way it almost is really personal just not directly because you listen to them and and take they take you back to very specific times in your life definitely definitely is that how most of your records are written kind of like have any of them been written where you've sat down and been like, I'm just going to, I'm going to write all these songs and, and, and put it into an album. Are they, are they mostly written that way? Kind of, you know, in pieces and, and taken from different periods. Um, no, I'd say maybe before. So um, when I first began this project, I, I would, you know, I was still working uh, a full-time job. So, you know, I had a really limited time and um, I think that kind of forced, me to be much faster at writing because I have slowed way down with uh you know mm -hmm. stuff out and you know with the label and stuff like that so everything just takes so much time now but um yeah I'd say you know since the career started and, and then you know um you know once I left my job and started touring I think that's when I uh kind of that's when I started to write a little disjointed where you know like I, you know I was I was out on the road and um i was out on the road um and you know kind of distracted so i would write some stuff while i was home and then i would you know go for a month and then i would come home and then be like what was i thinking here <laughs> you know what was <laughs> yeah. so, you know then i would just cherry pick what i really thought was good from you know a bunch of different piles and and, and try to be like you know is this this is i guess this is what the record uh, you know 
kind of what I wanted it to sound like, you know, at one point. Um, but I think now I'm a little more stationary. I've kind of settled quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to write the music, you know, as big chunks. Like uh, now I'm just kind of going I, in my own mind is, uh, you know, an album is just one idea or an EP is one idea. It's not all based on like the common true story. So I think it's a little easier for me to wrap my head around and instead of like trying mm -hmm. to, you know, piece this weird story together. But yeah, now yeah. I'm just really focused on writing, you know, uh, you know, all at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah, right on. I mean, it's an interesting, you've grown obviously as a, as an artist and musician where your writing styles have changed and you've changed because you, you're a human being. So you, grow and evolve and the music is reflecting that journey um which is really cool um i always like to see personal growth through people's art and how they grow and evolve um with that obviously things are really different for you now um having had a full-time job or a job that you were working and making music to making having music and touring is your full-time gig in contrast, or in looking back, how does Galactic Melt feel to you? Is there anything that stands out as unique or special or different? It definitely it brings me back to that time when you know I lived, was living in New Jersey in an apartment by myself, and all my friends there were older, and, and like you know I was alone a lot of the time. And I remember coming home from work, you know, from uh, you know, worked in advertising, would come home from the office, you know, probably six, seven o'clock, and then stay up to like you know, three, four in the morning, just like writing tunes on these crappy little monitors. And, you know, kind of when I first started to acquire what little sense I could like afford, you know, at least of the, um, the vintage stuff. Cause I don't think it was all the rage yet. It was kind of still, they were kind of still coming back and now it's just the prices for that stuff are outrageous. Right. And, uh, <laughs> it's a I just remember I could get stuff like, you know, I could drive to old ladies houses and, and, by out of their garage you know like it wasn't right so yeah it's crazy now but um yeah it just it definitely like i said thinking you know before i said that you know i, I definitely don't focus on my personal life directly in the music but now listening to it like i was just you know kind of breezing through it before we started recording and i was like well it sounds like new jersey to me you know it's just that's know. Things. that's awesome i'm actually where are you are you from new jersey because i actually grew up in new jersey as well a bit i um i'm from upstate new york a town called oneida near syracuse um oh, okay and i moved to jersey to work in advertising and uh it was i worked in princeton i lived in i lived in ewing for a little while in trenton oh wow man i used to every summer i used to go to the princeton uh public pool with my cousins i used oh, to we go to hoagie haven the best hoagie shop in yeah. Princeton. Um, and uh, that's awesome. You know what? Maybe that's part of why I have such a connection because there are certain albums that make me like have that nostalgic feeling. That's not just the word, but actually a true connection to it. And I think maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Subconsciously. That's funny. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like what they say about New York bagels. Like they're just good because of water. And I do think that. I've always thought, I've always felt like, you know, what if I went back to New Jersey for a year just to write a record, just like, you know, living in no nothing crazy, just a little apartment somewhere and just set everything up and record. Like if I could mimic that, I really think a lot of that was like because I was working a full time job, I think 
Like, yeah. Everybody was like squelched all day on other things. And then when I would get home, the music would just write itself. Like I really didn't have to try then. Like now I feel like I have to try a little harder. Now I'm, you know, I think it's also because I had so little as far as equipment and now I have so much. And I think a lot of that gets in the way. Um, yeah. Constantly moving stuff to my storage unit because I'm like, I'm, this is just taking up space. I don't, I don't use it. It just like, and then I end up feeling bad about not using it. So I, <laughs> I get it out of the room and I'm like, I'm just but not, but not the Moog one though. Right. No, the Moog yeah. one. <laughs> that's, my, that's my new space. <laughs> right on. Um, is there, I mean, anything else that you can think of that um, is, you know, stands out to you about that era for you and in, in the songwriting process. You said that it just kind of wrote itself. Um, was there like at the time of writing it, you'd started a theme maybe um, for a character or storyline. And um, did that come through in the way looking back on it now that you anticipated or did it just become what it was? I think you know, I was I'm heavily into science fiction, um, you know, uh, films, uh, books, uh, you know, comics, all, all of it, you know. Um, and I think I kind of took a page from, you know, the, the films really, the department, I suppose, um, as, as a way of, I love film scores and, you know, not just science fiction, I like everything, but um, I kind of wanted to make it, it was like a score for a film that was in my head. I just kind of had this loose story and you know I think um, what really stands out to me you know thinking about a little bit deeper is um, I think this is when I you know that time period in New Jersey and and this you know before this record and you know um, around Cyanide Sisters they're very close Um, I was working on them at the same time basically honestly so it's kind of when I fell in love with eighties, the, you know, music and stuff. And then once the, you know, the shininess wore off of that, I was like, okay, so what do I really like about eighties music? I was like, it's the equipment. It's not so much the music. I do love the music, you know, right tunes, but uh, it was like the production techniques and recording quality and, and just the, 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 the vintage samplers and things like that is when mm-hmm. I really, I think that period had forced me into like really starting to research and, but, you know, at the same time, I was still very naive in, in, in producing music. And I think that's where a lot of the charm came from, all kinds of happy accidents and stuff I just didn't really know or think about or care about. And I think now I care about, you care about too much and it kind of gets in the way. So I definitely <laughs> think this was like a Galactic Melt was definitely came very easy. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, um, you know, being like early all these happy accidents because you just don't know it's ignorance is bliss sort of you're not trapped by any either trapped by your own self or trapped by musical conventions because you're just figuring it out and i was curious the contrast between now and and then and it's it sounds like what you're saying is that it gets a little bit harder to to write music because you've got a lot of equipment you got a lot of history doing it yeah, you feel pressured from from fans and and, and labels and you know before mm-hmm. when I had this it was like you know I, I was on the net label still and they were just like yeah whatever you whatever you got send it over you know what I mean so it was like that was that yeah. was the end of it and there wasn't any pressure really you know I was doing it for fun in my my bedrooms you know right uh, like it's it's uh it's very different now 
as the project progresses and people expect certain things out of you, right? And then you start to, then that affects your writing in, right. in a way. It's yeah. Delaney. Yeah, definitely. It really kind of, uh, it can zap the fun if you think about it too much. And I think, you know, I took most of 2020 off. I didn't do anything. I was like playing games with my, my girlfriend and daughter and, and like, you know, just cooking a lot, watching movies, reading. I really didn't, I did a couple remixes and, and that's really it. Just very, very few projects. And I feel recharged. I finally, I rewired the studio like a week ago and it's all organized now. So I finally feel um, ready to write. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really happy because it's not the case with the various musicians that I talk to that that's, they, they have that effect. You know, you get basically get a, a year, a year and a half forced off. And, um, and it sounds like you've recalibrated to the things that are really important to you. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it was a struggle. Uh, I just didn't really feel that all that creative. And, and it's funny because I always thought that touring made me less creative and just traveling, you know, in general, I always, I always felt like it took away, like it took part of me away and I would feel, you know, pretty empty coming home and definitely not want to write, but actually, you know, I think it's just, I don't know. I've always kind of, I think, I think I just had so little going on that there was nothing to drive me. You know, it was like, right. it's a new weird way. I think when I worked in advertising that really pushed me, I wasn't trying to escape advertising. I loved my job and like, wasn't trying to like go on tour and wasn't trying to get, you know, I just wanted a vinyl record. You know, I wanted my music on a vinyl record and I would have been happy, <laughs> but, you know, here we are 10 years, 12 years later, whatever. And it's like, <laughs> what right. <did> I do? <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh. It is crazy. And it's interesting that when you have sort of like how real life influences your creativity, either as a, as an outlet, cause you have all these ideas that you're restricted in a workplace and then you finally get to release them when you get home and you kind of take that away. And your main thing is that it, it's, it's interesting how that impacts your someone's creativity. All right, guys, do we want to, are we ready to get into um, listening to the first first track and talk about it sure. all right so we're gonna we're gonna play terminal here uh, and we'll come back and talk about it welcome to paradise Sorry. all right we're back now um so obviously this is the, the intro to the track and the tone setter for the album seth what can you tell us about terminal that was the last track of the record I wrote, which is funny. Um, I definitely don't, you know, kind of, there is no, there is no order when I'm writing. I think, uh, you know, I, I just went back to, okay, so if this is going to be a story or if this is some, you know, film in my head, uh, there has to be, you know, title credits and, you know, uh, logo animations and, you know, kind of, that was my, that was really what this track was about. It was just really to kick it off and then, you know, I kind of, uh, after the record was, you know, what I thought it was done, I, you know, wrote the terminal and yeah, it was just slapped it in the front. <laughs> right on. So I'm kind of interested in asking you about the, the vocal, like the, the voices were those, I'm sure you've like talked about it, but were the voices there something you recorded or were those samples and then you kind of tossed them through some effects? How, how are you doing that? 
I don't know if I can get in trouble for. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Secret, got it. They are no, they are the uh, the um, the built-in voice, uh, the dictation on the. Um, I, I think at the time I was using a, um, a uh, an iMac. It's just the dictation on iMac. I would talk ah. about and then record it with hijack, and then it just you know frequency shift and make it sound kind of. I wanted it to sound like. The voices, the FM uh, radio voices in THX 1138, you know, uh, I yeah, it, like those wobbly old radios. And that's kind of what I was going for. Got it. Yeah, it sounds cool. It's like a, to me, it's like Robocop. It's like a video they'd play like in the lobby at in like Robocop, like at the, the station or something, yeah. you know, like that's it reminds me it does take it, it kind of puts a visual in my head immediately. So it, it's successful there. Right on. And so like, you know, it, it title credits the opening to the to the film, to the story, if you will. Um, and did you think really hard about the you write the tracks as they come? Like how much time did you spend on arranging the track order or did it just feel right? Um, I think I I guess because this was my first uh, real record um, in my mind, at least. Uh, my manager at the time, he really, really helped me with that. Cause I was like, I don't, you know, I don't really, I know I wanted to tell this story, but you know, as far as what the, I kind of just write. And then sometimes I'm like, Oh, that, you know, I'll just write. And then it'll make me feel something as I'm writing, not like I'm sad. And then I write a sad song. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm like, Oh, this song is, this song is a little depressing. You know, I'm not really ever focused on, on going into it with like, you know, the mood, I guess I just write what I, think sounds good and then later when the song is finished or halfway through or whenever i'm like okay so this is more part of uh, you know this part of the story or this is about this part of the story um so yeah i i don't know this is um yeah the track listing was you know uh it was something very new to me to try to you know kind of put it in an order and, you know i never really thought about it um you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I guess I would just listen to records growing up. I never really, you know, I've always been that whole album listener all the way through front to back. You know what I mean? And then Sam's, yeah. you, know, you, go, you go through it and pick what you like, you know, really. Um, but it, I, I don't think it ever really rubbed off on me how important that was. Like, I just kind of listened to music and I was like, this, all of this is great. You know, I'm like, you know, so you know, trying to put it together to tell a story, especially without words. Um, it was tricky for me to, to wrap my head around for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I think for um, a first outing uh, in your, you know, official for you in your mind, um, it's iconic really. I think, you know, this, um, I think there's a few other artists sort of doing similar thematic in their, brains what you're doing but you're the first person to really i think focus in on the write the story in your brain make a thematic music and now it's it's huge i mean everyone i mean that's a, a huge uh, way that people now write music especially electronic music is is as a movie in their head yeah it's uh it's all the rage now <laughs> <laughs> so that was just I, and it's crazy because you know thinking about that and seeing it everywhere now you're i was just like i did it by just so I would stay on track. So I wasn't, you know, like just, I don't, I don't know. It was a way to just keep it 
all together for me. It's like oh, it was just an organizational tool. That's all it was. Organizational tool. <laughs> and and that's super interesting. It's smart though. Yeah, it's really smart. Pragmatic, I think, you know, um, in a way to, to yeah. get the thing done. Um, because to me, like, I've always thought, well, you know, the reason why people do that is, you know, a whole generation of people of a certain age group watch all these movies and have all these influences and you can't, you know, there's such iconic film score music, you know, any John Carpenter movie you watch, the score is super important to that, or if it's a Vangelis thing or whatever it is. And, and you, I just wondered if there was a subconscious influence on everybody to go, well, you know, these sounds with visuals and they evoke, so they work together to evoke a very specific experience. What if we just do that with music alone? All right, so are we ready to talk about the next, or go into the next track, VHS Sex? Awesome. Hey, this is Anthony Scott Burns, a.k.a. Pilot Priest, and you're listening to Paradise Arcade. All right. Um, you know, this, oh, damn. Yeah, this song, when you hear it, and this is a little sorry this is a funny aside set do you ever when you write music do you ever go this is good I, not until much later when i listen to this record now i'm like i don't even know how i did it to be completely honest with you like <laughs> how I, I, I came up with that like i try to write a beat like that now and i'm like wow man that's too simple you know like and uh, it's just fun it's really funny to hear after all this time i'm like I got to I got to just say I love the mix you got on this record like it's so crispy and bright but it doesn't hurt your ears at all you know what I mean like it it you really treaded that line but like it's so nice still it's pleasant you know mm -hmm. what I mean I'm not sure how you did that but it's something I I always like I'll a b with a song on here and be like how the f how did he get that high end like that <laughs> you know what I mean reason <laughs> was it real that's yeah. crazy, man. I always tell people to use reason. Reason's so great. I'm glad. So you are you a reason user still? I use it sometimes now. I've graduated to 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 using Ableton a lot. Um, okay. But this, I don't know how I did this record in this time that way because I think back then I, even for like this song, just listening to the you know when the bass comes in and, and the little you know stabby um, um, pad sound. Um, yeah. Like. I used to record like um, any synths I had and lots of virtual instruments in Ableton uh, and then put them all in samplers inside of Reason. And then you would have to play from the beginning of this, even if it was like a looped part, you know, it would just, like, so you had to, you'd have wow. to start from the beginning the whole time, which was so stupid. <laughs> you couldn't put virtual instruments or audio on, oh, that's right. on the sequencer, uh, you know, at that time and reason wasn't that wasn't capable you were it was the, not a capability yet and then yeah um, i remember i used to just record lots of just like one hits of like string sounds and like i had the matrix um six and i would record you know uh string sounds and and and, and bass sounds and then i would just throw that once <laughs> one sample in the sampler and play stuff like that like it's crazy how simple it, it was and like how to me it's like I, it's like i can't reproduce it now because i'm like but all i did was that but i do it now and i'm like it just doesn't feel the same it's it's really it's it was captured a certain but that's kind of like old school hip-hop style production too and you had like no sample time and you had to 
just chop a note and try to make it work you know what i mean like that stuff that it almost makes you um it forces you to be creative in a different way you know what i mean yeah i like the limitation yeah that's cool because it's impressive you're you were using a really rudimentary program because i when i made music i used reason that was my because i'm used to actual hardware and i loved reason because it was a virtual rack and especially that time it was really difficult to work with. It was very restricted in its in its abilities. And the fact that like you're telling me that you've made this in reason, I'm just gobsmacked because it takes that so much. Cool. I, it, reason will always hold a place in my heart. Uh, I definitely, you know, going back in there, it's so, and now it's like going back into reason now, like I don't think I could achieve this same thing with the reason that there is now. I'd have to go back to the original version. <laughs> to reason five right now virtual instruments in there and all the rack extensions and and you know whatnot yeah it's incredible i mean it that's that's i think a level of like um dedication to like i'm going to make this song and no matter how difficult it is like practically to do it you still did it and then you ended up with this iconic song at the end of it it's just really impressive yeah it's it's crazy um, this is the song I got to tell you. I was just in Santa Barbara recently because we, um, I live in Portland, Oregon, but we hadn't been anywhere in a while because of the pandemic stuff. And we drove down there, and I had to go drive with my wife and kid. And they were at the the Airbnb, and I had went on a little drive. Uh, you know, rolled the windows down, blast VHS sex, and just watch everyone turn. And look, <laughs> you know, as I'm blasting it, that was. That was a highlight. I don't know. This song just, it just hits, man. There's yeah. something about this track. So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> I'd say the majority, actually all of, of this record and, and, and a lot of the stuff from Cyanide Sisters and uh, a lot of Indicate stuff and some of the stuff on Indicate 2, you know, was through Reason. And really what I did was I had this wacky effects setup on the main output like after the the mixer after you know the after your main mm-hmm. output. and then that's really i don't know i remember when we were going to have it mastered way back in, in 2011 um <clears throat> so the guy who mastered it assault mastering um i forget his actual name at the moment but um he was like wow this is a pretty crazy i don't really have to do much <laughs> and, and he sent he was uh he sent back you know future world he's like i really didn't have to do anything i don't know how you did this but it's like almost perfect i was like wow you know i was like how did i, I was like how did i do it like, so i've definitely done that too i've like referenced uh this record before and, and it's just it's one of those miracles you know that i'm just like you know i don't want to replicate it and but but i do miss it you know sometimes yeah but, I think the reason I wrote re- uh, the reason I re- used reason to uh, you know sequence the record <clears throat> and the tracks was because I was pretty afraid of going into Ableton at that time. You know, I had I had used Cubase for years and, and Logic, and I was just like, I'm not ready to do it in there yet. You know, I was so mm-hmm. so you know just so familiar with Reason, and you know, it always it always means something to me, definitely. Well, shout out to Reason because back then it was still Propellerhead Reason, yeah. right? And, I know they change, but all three of us are Reason users. So yeah, shout out Reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a what a great endorsement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and- yeah. I did a 
instrument uh, tutorial for them recently and made a little demo track. And I'm still in contact with the guys and, and they, they hooked me up with the new stuff and, you know, but the, it, it's the capabilities now are crazy. It's yeah. pretty amazing. So. Yeah. I still use it all the time. I mean, reason for me is what I use when I need to like, um, like you said, happy accidents happen a lot in reason. And whenever I need to like quickly get an idea going, I'll sometimes get out of the studio and just go into reason and try to make myself use reason. And it's usually, it works usually. It's a good thing to travel. It's a good, it's a good system to use when traveling too. Cause you're right. It really is. It's, it's always been easy to jot down ideas or get something out really quick. And then you can just polish it up later, but exactly. I definitely like it when I'm not home. If I go to visit my parents or, you know, just wherever, like the reasons always, it's, it's never left the computer, you know, I've always had it on there. <clears throat> right. Nice. Um, so, you know, with the title of the song and the samples in it, like, obviously <laughs> it was always going to elicit a certain reaction when you listen to oh, it. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, talk about like kind of your thoughts about, you know, the song and where it came from and, and whatnot. Um, you know, in a way, I think it's kind of, uh, to me, you know, it, it's definitely, it's porno, basically, you know, it's <laughs> pornography. Um, <clears throat> when I think about why I wrote it now, I think, you know, childhood memories of watching the squiggly channels at late at night and, you know, right. things like that come to <laughs> mind. And, uh, you know, but I guess in the context of the record, um, you know, it kind of goes along the line of, you know, you're kind of just forced to see sex everywhere, even in a future society where, you know, where we have androids and they can go to space and, you know, laser guns and things, you know, it's still sex, 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 sex. It's everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? It's on every screen. It's everywhere. It's in your face. Like you can't escape it. It's like kind of annoying. You know what I mean? And I think that's what really that was about, but you know, the first, those two, then, you know, the VHS sex and the, and the, and the, the next track are, 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 you know, it was like I couldn't sum it up my 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 views with just one song. I had to do two right now to yeah do one those. You know, so so one of the one of the things that like with the title and kind of the vibe is it reminds me of Videodrome. You guys see that movie? Yep. Um, oh yeah. And so like because literally, you know, they insert a VHS cassette into James Woods to program him, and I yep. I kind of had those vibes. And as you talk about, it, I think that's really interesting because I think is that you can't escape it. Even like in Blade Runner, you know, that a far off movie into the future, they've got pleasure models of androids and it's always being mm -hmm. blasted at you, programming essentially to be oversexed. Yeah. And so I think it's really interesting that you capture that overstimulation and programming in that song. Yeah, Videodrome, Blade Runner, and, and a few others, THX1138 and... Um... We're, we're definitely heavily on rotation in, in, you know, when I would be done writing, that's all I would watch was those three movies. I, I always say, you know, that I watched Blade Runner, like, I don't, know, I don't know, 500 times or something stupid, you know, like I just would watch it every night and I would just, so yeah, it's definitely, I mean, you know, the song and the next uh, are definitely, Video Drum was a huge inspiration. You ever get to the point, especially like, I don't, for me personally with Blade Runner, I can't watch it anymore. I've seen it so many times. And know it so well that it, I just, I can't watch yeah. it anymore. I've got a couple of movies like that, especially from when I was a kid and a teenager. Yeah. Um, always love them. If they're on the background, that's fine. But I can't sit and watch 
the original Blade Runner anymore. Yeah, it's I got to that point, and that was <clears throat> sorry. Uh, yeah, I got to that point, and that was like um, a while back. I started to feel that way, and then. I kind of started to reintroduce the movie and now I can watch it here and there, but more so I'll put it on and, you know, just roll over and lay there and not even watch it. Like I just yeah. like the sound. I just, I can hear oh, the yeah. dialogue and the music. I know exactly, I know the, exactly what's on the screen. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. more of a, it's like, you know, kind of a, it's like a, a comfort thing, I think. Um, yeah. See, I do that except with planes, trains, and automobiles, just a 24 <laughs> yeah. hour loop as I sleep. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Are but we? I think. Uh, oh, go, go no, ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I yeah. I just I think that um, I've reached that limit again, where you know I, I try to watch it, and I'm like, oh, man, I've just seen it so many times. It's like I think I watched it so many times because I always thought I was seeing or hearing or feeling something new, and I finally feel like, all right, well, I think I squeezed every drop <laughs> out of that. But, <laughs> but I mean, I still, it's still the cinematography. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, music I, is incredible. It's just like a, it's and it just it it really inspired me to do the rest of this music. Like that was the movie. Like I remember walking past in the rec, uh, the music the movie store that right on there, uh, Route One, right by my old apartment. <clears throat> and I must have walked past it like a hundred times. I'd go there every Friday and buy a bunch of new DVDs and have movies for the weekend, and you know just stay home and write music, and make pizza, you know the whole <laughs> the whole deal. And then it was uh, like a great time. Finally, was like Blade Runner, uh, Harrison Ford, whatever. All right, I'll give it a try. And I, I took it home. I was like, man, I'm an idiot. Why did it take me this long to give this? It's <laughs> like one of the greatest films I've ever seen. Then I went and bought the special edition box with all the right. toys. And, you know, like it's crazy to me that you know I kind of I judged a book by its cover, and then I finally gave in to the weird pressure of walking past it. You know, so many times <laughs> wondering what it was, and I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. Yeah, blown away. absolutely. So let's get into the uh, the next song, Cathode Ray or Cathode Girls. Um, mm -hmm. Again, they're they're kind of they're sister pieces, and you play these two together in live sets. I've noticed that you you have pairings of songs in your live sets. Definitely. All right, let's get into this. Hey, this is Hotel Pools, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. Um, again, Ben hit on this earlier with, with the album is is how clean it is. The, the highs are really crisp and the lows are really low, um, but it's not muddled at all. It's really, really impressive, especially in this song. Yeah, I again, it goes back to that using reason. I don't know how I really achieved it. Um, I think um, I kind of, I had that little saying there for a while, uh, mid-fi, slow motion, you know, <laughs> funk kind of thing. I was really going for that mid-fi because be, right before this project, I was really into um, kind of like sample-y future hip-hop beats kind of, you know, and then, I, you know, I did a little electro stuff. And then even before that, I was really into ambient because I'm a huge Boards Canada fan and so I went for really lo-fi, you know, like wobbly, broken, you know, mm -hmm. not, you know, you, you no know, fidelity whatsoever. And this was, this project was me wanting to um, <clears throat> kind of have that quality where you can listen to it in your car and, you know, it's 
sounds amazing, but it's not, you know, like super clean, you know, and, and super organized. I think, um, you know, a lot of the music that I like, it sounds terrible in the car. Like you can't really play it loud. It's not, it doesn't have that vibe, you know, it's like, it's, it's easy listening at home music, you know, or in headphones, you know, and I wanted that step outside the headphones. And I think a lot of the stuff that I wrote before that was kind of more of headphone music, I, I would think. Um, and I was just trying to break out of that mold for me. And this is, yeah, Cathode Girls is, is definitely one of my personal favorites. Yeah, I love yeah, this song to me is like um, a good example for me, like in your music, sometimes it can be very like unsettling, like how it starts. You're like, where, what is happening? You know what yeah. I mean? And then, and then it becomes so aligned that you really don't notice. And it's, that's kind of special because that's hard to do. So that's kind of something like, I remember talking to you after a gig once and you kind of, we spoke about that, how you have to be in a certain mindset and how the music you make isn't always chill. There's some, you know, there's some, yeah kind of like aggressiveness to it too and i think this song is yeah it's a good example of that which kind of um is one of the things i like about your music it's just so like one side to the other do you know what i'm trying to yeah, say definitely. i think um a lot of that was i think cyanide sisters was very uh chill wave to sounding to me where i don't think a lot of it was that abrasive um and I think I didn't really want to be put in that bucket. Like I like chill wave, but I just didn't think I was ever chill wave. I mean, I was like more into sci-fi and like right. mm -hmm. aliens and, and, and things like that. And I wanted it to be a little darker and a little weird and wasn't trying to make like, you know, music for, for, for the beach. You know, I was trying to make like galactic what, you know, <laughs> you know, if there was a UFO cruising by with like, alien gangsters in it this is like the, the stuff that'd be bumping you know like that's kind of what i, I just wanted but i i don't know it's definitely just super sci-fi cue um to me i think that's really what drove it because i think you know like you, you know how you were saying that the songs kind of sound completely so they can sound so wacky and then all of a sudden it's just like whoosh, you know you're yeah like, the center and i think a lot of i see see that in films a lot where they do that where it's just uh and then all of a sudden it's, it's well you're back to normal like uh, you know how did you achieve that you know you can do it with like it's like sleight of hand if you're just there you know mm -hmm. yeah that's cool i mean there's also seems to be like a very aligned synth sound on the red like were there certain pieces you were using a lot on this album that you decided were kind of going to create the sound or were yeah. you I yeah a sequential circuit split eight a lot on this record and uh <laughs> the battery is still dead it was dead then so everything that i recorded was like one off you know like i recorded could never save the patch and like you know i just wasn't you know now no, I, I was i've been thinking i just got a sequential circuits tom the drum machine came in the mail yesterday um oh nice so well going to get the uh, split eight out of storage unit and finally fixing the battery i'm a little more competent as far as you know repairing since now so i actually like doing it but um i think that was huge in the matrix six the overheim matrix six was huge during that period for me okay and then you know i had like i think i had an overheim dx not dmx the dx <laughs> at that time mm -hmm. but i didn't have i'm trying to think of what else i had i had a really crappy old old akai reel to reel um 
tape machine that I used that I ended up throwing away because it had a terrible hum and uh, it was just it weighed like I don't know it was uh, like a hundred pounds it was and it wasn't even that big it was crazy how heavy it was um what were you like bouncing your 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 stereo mix out to it or what were you like using yeah we record tracks or parts or you know just the you know say the lead I would record the lead to it and then re-record the lead back in the computer with the you know the general yeah that you nice um I really had a small amount of equipment, you know, I had like, I had a profit 2000, which is the like weird. Oh yeah. Sampler uh, keyboard, but it was so, oh man, that thing was so hard to use. Um, and I recently picked up the Akai X7000 sampler, which is, you know, basically the same thing. Um, so I've been trying to, you know, kind of, uh, I got to repair it a little bit, but I, I missed having that old school sample quality because I've been using the, um, the mpc live too a lot for beats lately just uh i don't know it's it's nice to I, I used to really draw a lot of stuff in you know and then uh you know i kind of like jamming these days a little bit now i think i run into more happy accidents you know mm -hmm. um, like sequencing out of the box and doing that stuff and yeah, and yeah nice it's like yeah I, I you know what it is and i think i think that's why i'm so slow at producing now is that i'm just bored of sitting in front of the computer <laughs> like, uh, you know like i used to love i was on it 24 7 at work at home you know and now i'm just like i'd rather do something else so yeah using you know stuff like that is is it helps me get off of it nice a lot more tactile more yes. you're engaged in the activity it seems like more now definitely definitely um one of the things I want to touch on here, um, and because it's very clear by these two songs now, you understand the the quality of the drums that are happening, um, <laughs> and just the the complexity of the programming, and and you know, uh, how did you create these um, these drum beats? They're they're hard for people that don't know. Programming drums can be really really difficult to do. Um, and I've just always been impressed by your drum programming. Um, you know, I've, I've, like I, you can clearly hear on this record how, how big of a fan I am of, of the, uh, you know, vintage drum machines um, of a certain period. You know, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of like 808, you know, everybody's going to hate me for saying that, but, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan of the 808, you know, I'm not a big fan of you know, the 909 and things like that. Um, but it's more like the drum tracks, and the, the DX, mm -hmm. DMX and Lindrum and then, you know, mm -hmm. those machines, I think, I, I don't know. I think the other machines to me don't sound like, like drums, drums, as I think them, as I think of them, they sound more um, synthetic, which I like, you know, I don't mind them. I just don't, I don't think they work as well in my music. And, I feel like every time I've tried to use them, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a little forced in there. Um, but I, you know, you're right. Programming, especially on those old machines, you know, I remember that DM, that DX was like, it was crazy. It sounded amazing, but the timing was insane. And it was just, it was difficult to program on, you know, it was, you know, to get what I wanted out of it. So I was like, well, I'm going to go for that sound, but like reprogram, you know, reprogram these drums, you know, in, in a much more, um, I don't know, a much more kind of a futuristic way as, as, mm -hmm. as I would like to put it, I guess. And, and I've always really focused on the drums because my first foray into music was uh, drum and bass music. I used to DJ drum and bass music um, down in Philly and 
and produce it a little bit. And so I've always just been a drum junkie and I like old samples and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I've really always tried to make the drums as nice as I possibly could. And really, you know, that's a big part of the track for me. I think a lot of times I'm part of the drum just because that's just my favorite thing to do, you know? Yeah. I think that's it, awesome. Yeah. It sets your music apart from other electronic music because it adds a, a vibrancy or like a, a liveliness to it. Um, yeah. And then you juxtapose it with, well, at least you used to with really cold sounds. And yes. it's, it's such an interesting, it, it sets you apart from pretty much really anything out there. Yeah. I think, you know, galactic melt. Oh, hold on. I think galactic melt, um, you know, a lot of the drum sounds are from those old machines that we've all heard a million times. And I think they say it sounds familiar, but it sounds like it's, it's like a, I don't know, kind of a, kind of a different take on it, I suppose, or it's just, I just always try to take those sounds that I really love and like shape them a little differently. Um, like kind of update them a, a little bit. Yeah. Like, I really think they're great sounds like they, you know, not only for the nostalgic quality, but I just think there's something about them. They're like perfect, perfect samples to me. And like, you know, I just, I really, I really like that sound. And it, sometimes, you know, as of, <clears throat> sorry, as of late, um, I'm, I'm you still using drum sounds like that. And, and, but I'm now I'm trying to make them a little, a little more different because I'm, you know, I'm like, I've, well, I've heard it so many times and I want people to just be like, Oh, he's the, he's the DMX drum guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, but it's hard not to like use those, uh, you know, machines and sounds, um, to, you know, it's hard to not use them to achieve what I want. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I completely agree with you because those I, sounds are, they are perfect like, samples. Yeah, I could listen to those and use them all the time, and I wouldn't even care if people hated it, really, you know, because I'm like, but yeah, you know, it's like sounds good as long as the beat is different, you know? like, right? I mean, what's the, right? If you I get, mean, a... I think part of what you do too is in the program. I mean, that's what when you hear a track that you write it, you can usually tell, and not it's not because of the sounds all the time, but also because of how you're sequencing and programming everything. You know what I mean? That makes it kind of you, love you know, to, love to program love to program drums it's like my yeah yeah i i'm the same way like i'm a i'm a drummer's son so i grew up you know kind of listening to drums tuned into drums in a song like drums and bass that's all i you know that's that's the me that's like what drives everything so i'm always really concentrated on that but um but yeah i'm glad he asked that because that was one of my questions too it's just i've always been drawn into the way you get your drums to sound and also the way you're programming specifically like the kicks and hi-hats yeah. are just so different. And it, you know, the, the poly, like how you're, you're sequencing those is just kind of unlike anyone else. And I've always kind of wanted to ask how you're, you're, um, you're doing that. Cause it's, it's just so different. <laughs> These weird patterns in my head. You know, I, I bought uh, some real hi-hats that I've been recording too for newer stuff. Um, I think out of all the sounds on these vintage machines, I think the hi hats I can I could easily become the most quickly fatigued uh, mm -hmm. sound. Um, and and I've always really I've always loved the kick and the snare in these old machines. I don't know they're just crunchy and fat. Mm -hmm. and but the, the hi hats, you know, can be a hit or miss. And and I I just always I've always loved real cymbals and like you know so I'm kind of building a, a small repertoire of 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 drums to record and some mics, you know. I think you know I can get different, different, just my own sound, you know. And I think the hi hats can really, you know, can really, you can really do a lot of stuff with them. And mm -hmm. 
I think it's fun. I really enjoy recording you know, the, that kind of stuff these days. So. Nice. That's so. cool. Awesome. Well, let's get into the next track. Um, so it's Air Cal. Let's listen to this and we'll talk about it. It's a motherfucking paradise I can't. Another absolutely stellar song, Air Cal. How did how did that one come about? It's a little livelier. Um, I think, you know, in the context of the, the the story about the android astronaut, this is kind of <clears throat> when he's launching into space. Uh, so you know, this is kind of his takeoff moment. Um, but for me. Uh, you know, a, there's a few songs on this record that are kind of uh, air travel um, or just traveling, you know, uh, uh, centric, or, or at least have the themes of that. I, I was terrified of flying. <laughs> like, I remember being in the airport, having to fly to Europe uh, once when I, you know, way back. And I was just like, I was on the phone with my mom, like, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm just, <laughs> I can't do it. You know, I was like freaking out, you know, so. A lot of this was about my fear of flying too and uh you know i've since gotten over it a million times so i love flying now but i used to be deathly afraid like i you know have missed shows before because i was so afraid of flying uh and you know that that was this is you know air Cal's one of the you know that's in that track definitely um but yeah i mean it, it's really about you know him him blasting off into space come true is the android astronaut you know that's his like when he's got you know cathode girls is basically the the build up where he's falling in love with this you know kind of alien uh girl and this is his you know he's got to leave and this is his takeoff song you know he's like going out to the new frontier and you know it's all it's all you know it's all um bright and optimistic and uh yeah that's kind of what that is <laughs> got it wow yeah and it's got like this i want i'm not going to call it nervous energy but like that like strings in the background yeah like um i think that's yeah it's kind of nervous to me yeah it's got the you know the excitement i think is there i was going to ask you about um if there were specific synths that you use for or ones you feel are um work better for like the effects you're using and the sweeps and transitions because it sounds like they're not just static samples you're using over and over they sound like they all have different character to them um i mean uh, some are samples from like wacky stuff that i've refused to give away uh, <laughs> and, uh obviously treated with all kinds of you know wacky plugins and and then you know i always love my reverse symbols and things like that as you know that's a kind of an easy way to do it but for some mm -hmm. reason I, I really like that sound and you know it's just detuning them and things like that but yeah i never really yeah there i like i feel like i used a lot on this record and then i kind of stopped like i almost forget about it on other yeah. stuff and then i'm trying to you know i got i finally got like the studio organized so i got the modular set up all you know i'm just gonna like make crazy stuff you know to like nice use but yeah i it that was something that i, I definitely focused on a little more on this record and, and i feel like i've since haven't and uh, i'm trying to get back to that because i do like those transition sounds and and the sweeps and the effects and they really do add 
character i think you can you can make the song interesting by using those and, and then like instead of cramming tons of different synth sounds on there like you know everybody's layering layer 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 you gotta layer you gotta layer but a lot of this a lot of this record is not layered sounds no it sounds really, really? open i mean mm -hmm. the mixes are dynamic and yeah. they, it sounds open you know what i mean but at the same yeah. time those transitions help blend i mean it helps just bring everything together and kind of leads you along you know what i mean there's no there's no like there's choppiness purposefully but there's no like weird break-offs or anything like that you know what i mean yeah it's i, I think yeah and i think since since this record i've tried to i've used I've tried to layer more and i think i've gotten away from using the sound effects so i'm like well there's no room for it you know what i mean like we're, we're mm -hmm. already like already crazy to me and every time a, a song comes out like even the small black remix came out you know just today and, and just listening to that i was like well i could have dialed it back a little bit made it a little more <laughs> i'm like actively trying to listen and then look back and be like okay so you know what can i because there's always things you can take away from a song you know that that would give it you know more room you know and and i think that's weirdly as dense and 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 um you know uh you know limited as reason was back then at least in my mind you know i felt limited in it using it but i think those limits helped me as, as limited as it was i think it, it it gave me this crazy like i just hit this mark in there and i just kind of it just worked you know i think reason has a lot more headroom now and i think um i've always tried to you know when i when they really updated and and I tried to go back and use it. I was like, wow, everything sounds different, even though I'm doing like the exact same thing. Like the program, mm. sound, the sound engine must, you know, have, is just so updated and, and so, you know, it's really bolstered now. And I just could never achieve that same kind of open denseness as the way I guess I could put it. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. And I think a lot of this, you know, the music and like, you know, Eric Hell is definitely one of those songs where there's all this space in there and there's really not that many sounds like if you listen to the drum sounds there's only a few you know and there's a couple synths and there's a bunch of effects and like a you know the weird vocal kind of chopped up sample that's really there's not that much going on but listening to it now i'm like wow it really sounds dense to me but open at the same time it's like everything's got it's a little place but you know yeah like i had like you know four different pads playing the same you know what i mean and it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah it is abrasive i think a lot of this music it's like you know madonna talks about her you know breakout record how she was like oh, i thought it was too sharp and abrasive and i think for me this was yeah was, everything's kind of crunchy and, and it's it's it is abrasive and and but a lot of people always say it's like chill and but i, I do for me it, it's kind of dark and stormy at mm -hmm. times and, and it's uh you know but it's still got that little little bit of prettiness in there mm -hmm. i think uh, yeah people lack maybe some of the the verbiage to fully describe what's gone because it's it's down tempo yeah. certainly but Definitely. it's also menacing at the same time um without being like heavy metal or, or that sort of thing it's, it's a, a cinematic menacing if you're watching aliens they're not shredding guitars they're there's <laughs> you know there's orchestral cues or there's a um, synthesizer whatever it is to build these this tension and anxiety in in mix and your music does sort of the same thing but also down tempo but also yes. sort of like hip-hop drumish kind of thing yep. it's a mix of everything i've always been a hip-hop fan too early early 90s hip-hop is my i love those old samples and those old drum sounds and samplers and yeah you just gave me a great idea to uh <laughs> 
rescore aliens and just instead of using orchestral stuff and, and the you know the uh i think they used the uh the six track on that is like the one of the main mm -hmm. a lot of those sounds but it's just to do it with like a gnarly 80s guitar mm -hmm. <laughs> like just all the stuff like that would be hilarious yeah that'd be freaking out <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so let's move on to the next song lightweight Uh, hey, what's up? This is Ghost, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. All right. Um, so, where, how does this song tr go into the story of After Air, Air Cal? Uh, this is kind of in flight, you know, getting your uh, having your cocktail and your peanuts. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this is more of the kind of the, the i think this is the brighter side of it being like i'm doing it i'm up here everything's okay you know like uh <laughs> like we're, we haven't crashed yet we're, you know we're, we're we're gonna make it this is kind of the, the really optimistic part of the record um i think um a lot of this record and this track um i really like synth brass <laughs> but i always thought that you know, like when you get a synth and you find the brass parts, you know, the brass presets, they're really, they're kind of corny. They're like, yeah, really, you know, horny sounding, which, you know, I like the, you know, they just kind of have this, like they could have dialed it back a little bit to kind of smooth <laughs> it out. And I think I really, I really love that sound, but when it's kind of like, you know, like I don't like the, the kind of frog, the like the ribbit that's in front right. of a lot of them. Um, I kind of wanted to take that away because I really like that smoothness and i i mean i went crazy all of this record is like synth brass to me is uh you know i kind of i really like that and i think this this track showcases that pretty good and um i'm trying to think what i what i used you know it's it's definitely got those uh you know frequency modulated voices again that the you know the computer samples of this is that your voice in there because i uh, hear an uh it's uh yes that is that is me though <laughs> yeah i forgot Ah, I did, did that. You know, I saw, you know, when people are like, well, "There's no vocals." <laughs> <laughs> Here's a vocal. Yeah. Um, but I've always liked that that kind of um, those type of vocals. I've always wanted to work with with the someone and do get a bunch of recordings of, of that kind of stuff to to put in there because I think that can really change a song by putting that just kind of little, uh, you know what I mean? In there, like, can yeah, what it can do for a song. Yeah, I dabbled. I don't even remember what microphone I used or anything. That was so long ago. It sounds cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I had talked to I had talked before about that. How kind of a a vocal in the form of a synth per yes. se can sound totally different and bring out a totally different character than a synth can. You know what Definitely. I mean? I've always yeah. been, you know talking about the next record with ghostly they're like well we should really try vocals and i'm like yeah I'm, I'm okay with that you know but i'm also i've always thought of you know especially in songs like this and and um, even like like chemical legs or something where it's like the the vocal for me is 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 never going to be the main thing i don't want it to be that's not how i want to tell the story but it's nice to use it as like you say like it's more of an instrument and it, you know what i mean instead of just mm -hmm. like you know the the kind of the main you know pop vocal yeah yeah the driving of the story i don't really want it to tell the story i just want it to be a part of the 
bigger picture of the story. You know what I mean? I, I really, that's something that I want to get into too, is, you know, kind of um, like recording my voice doing that and, um, you know, kind of running it through uh, granular samples, you know, uh, synthesis and, and, and use that as more of a kind of thing in, in future music. So actively trying to do that and then, you know my girlfriend she can sing pretty good so i might try to use that as um, okay there you go you get yeah. some awes some background yeah. <laughs> you know. perfect it's awesome uh, what else do you have to to say about flight wave um yep still kind of hitting home about that fear of flying you know kind yeah the big thing for me um and uh you know i um I just, I really, I think this, I list, sometimes I would listen to the song while flying, you know, and just kind of, I try to sync up the air kale and flight wave, you know, around takeoff. And when you finally hear the ding, you know, like, oh, you can, you can move around a little bit, you know, you can stop clenching the, the armrests. Clenching everything else. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely, you know, but for the story, I suppose it's probably kind of in flight, you know, doing your, you know, the, the android was doing his space tasks and uh, <laughs> you know, making sure the ship was all right before, you know, the inevitable darkness. That is Can about... I pretend he looks like Wally? Is that okay? I just, for some reason. Okay, cool. Uh, there's a tree I pass by on my walk when I walk the dog every day. That look, it's like the the knots in the tree look just like Wally. It's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, cool. Let's, uh, let's move on to Hyperlips. This is Cody Carpenter, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. All right. Um, one of the first things I noticed in the background is that, that tape noise. Yes, in the background, um, and it's sort of like you get this sense that maybe something is about to happen. Yes, I used to sprinkle in the uh, the hiss and <laughs> the in the, <laughs> the vinyl sounds, and and uh, you know sometimes that would come naturally with that old, that old uh, Akai reel to reel machine. That was a really noisy machine. Um, I think Hyperlips, you know, is kind of uh when the android astronaut starts to realize oh this isn't really what it was made out to be um you know um my journey is going to be much much more difficult um i guess thinking back you know i think i think this is like a weird uh advertising thing you know just like <laughs> having to go to meetings constantly and just having to listen to people talk and talk and talk and talk and, and i just was like you know I, I, can I just go do my work? Like I just all these meetings and people talking and talking and talking. And I think, you know, I really, I prefer silence. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's, it's interesting to, to, to like be in a relationship with a person and, you know, you don't always constantly have to talk. You can like be in silence together, but then not, not feel weird. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think this is kind of my, my dig at like, you know, we, we talk too much or, you know, like, uh, I think, for me too, it was a way to like say something about vocals and music and, and, and being that, you know, a lot of music, you, you know, it, it would fall flat without the vocals, you know, it, it really, how would you tell the story, you know, this, 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 this song sounds like the song, but without the vocals, I don't, what do you talk, what is it saying, what is right. it doing, and I think this was kind of me trying to, 
um, you know, kind of, it's kind of like a dig, I guess. That, like, you know, I didn't want to do vocals. I was kind of anti-vocal, you know, kind of as far as like, you know, full on, you know, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, full on vocals in a song. And, and yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting you put all because I can see all of these things, like as you're talking about um, the songs, I, I mean, I really do listening and having listened to the album so many times, like I really do. I, I do sense what you're trying to convey uh, through these songs. And it's very, it's interesting how I, I think successful, I guess, really is what I'm trying to say that with the story, you're trying to convey these different moods um, and, and how well it ties into your concepts of each one of these songs. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I, I really, I don't know. I came up with this, this funny story and <laughs> I don't know. It just really worked. It's strange. It's very strange. It's cool to hear, though, like your perspective personally, because like I like hearing about, you know, the Android and, and how each song relates. But then also talking about like sitting in a room listening to talking heads go on. You can hear that like in the art pat. Like I'm you know what I mean? It's like a yeah. movie almost, you know, so that is cool to hear that side of it because you can really picture that and it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, it's funny, too, because yeah, a lot of what's out there about this music is kind of always just been kind of loosely, you know, um, you know, tied to the story, not so much like what it what they actually really mean to me. And that's funny, because I didn't know what they meant until, you know, recently, uh, you know, I, I finally feel like I've had time to digest that period of my life. And I was like, okay, so this is really what I was feeling then. And this is what I was thinking then. And you know what I mean? I've always thought that. Yeah. I don't directly write about events like that happen in my life, you know, in the immediate, you know, uh, uh, you know, right now, you know, or, or just recently. Um, <clears throat> it definitely works its way in your, you know, your life is going to be in your music that that's just it's inevitable, you know, but I think it takes me a long time to figure out how I put my life into it, you know, sometimes, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. I wait a while and then I'm like, oh, that's what I was thinking. You know what I mean? Like, I really, mm -hmm. you know. I guess I was always thinking in the future and wasn't trying to think behind, but now I'm realizing what I was thinking then, you know what I mean? I'm finally able to understand it. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely can relate to that kind of thing, especially when I was younger, uh, having a harder time, maybe being connected to myself. And, yeah, and um, I think just as you get older, you slow down a bit. And I think a lot of young angst, goes away hopefully and definitely. you get connected to that um to that part of your life and and i i definitely can relate to like you know working on projects and being well this is this is a story and it's it's about this and it's not personal but when you look back at it it's such an absurd thing to say because it is you in that moment with those surroundings directly influencing your every action and how you make music or write a book or whatever it is, you can't help but leak into it. Exactly. It, even on a subconscious level, it, mm -hmm. uh, it's tremendously influential. So I, yeah. I think it's really interesting that, you know, you've, there's the, there's the conscious thing that you're talking about here with the story and then hearing the juxtaposition of the personal, this is how my life was and where I was at. Yeah. It's almost in a weird way. Like, even though I came up with this, you know, fictional concept it was like still based on reality in a weird way mm -hmm. you know what i mean it was like it's like a 
just a, a different take on what was happening to me in that time in a way that I felt like I would be more comfortable explaining it to people than actually saying, you know, this is what this is about, you know, really. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, um, yeah, just being able to, to sit with yourself after, you know, I mean, Jesus was what, like 10 years ago. So, you know, 36 now. So that was, that's quite, I, I think I was a, a, quite a different person mm-hmm. at 26, you know, so um, it's interesting to hear that, 26 year old me <laughs> uh 25 26 whatever, uh year old me writing music uh what I, you know or how i was you know how i was dealing with things in my life at that time you mm-hmm. know in, in a weird way because you know it's you're right that like in that moment i was like forcibly fighting off allowing myself to put my personal life in it but no matter what i did it was still <laughs> worked its way in there it's mm-hmm. crazy how it just does and i think that's interesting because the best science fiction is always really a metaphor for something, a real life thing or yeah. horror, right? Yep. Science, you know, Star Trek talking the, those early episodes talking about racial equality, things like that, but yeah. you couldn't necessarily directly talk about it. So this is a way to express those things when you can't necessarily direct it head on. Yeah. But personally for you. Yeah, that's definitely it's like putting a skin skin on something, putting on a costume, I suppose. You know, getting in the getting in the Mickey Mouse suit. <laughs> right on. So, uh, are we ready to move on? Sure. Okay. So we'll listen to Broken Date. Paradise, it's paradise, arcade. song it's so you know it's iconic really at this point um it's such a it's a great song and i think it's one of those things that's gonna define a big part of your your career let's talk about uh broken date and how that came together um yeah this is kind of uh, i guess in the story of the you know the narrative is basically when things start to kind of fall apart uh, for the, you know, the Android astronaut. Um, <clears throat> I think this is when he's feeling forced uh, to kind of adhere to a society that he doesn't agree with. And, uh, you know, this is his kind of, you know, I guess his angst is, is really um, at the boiling point um, for kind of, you know, uh, just, being able to deal with that and, and having to deal with that and really not having a choice, you know, he's a robot basically. So <laughs> he's, he's, he's realizing that he's programmed and, you know, he's kind of, I guess, becoming sort of self-aware and, and, and is really not, not being happy about it. Um, I'd say personally, this is probably, uh, you know, loosely based on a relationship I had for, you know, a long time i dated a girl for a long time when i you know was writing this in new jersey and <clears throat> this is probably just you know one of those worked its way in there things and about probably a, an argument or, or some sort of turmoil in the relationship right um you know it's it's uh i've never wanted to write like a love song or a breakup song but i guess this is as close as i could get you know this and and and, and a couple newer songs that are, are more you know, kind of about that stuff, but the, yeah, I'd say this is one of those ones. 
is is based on something like that. Um, it's a <laughs> when you listen to it, it's a very strange way for me to uh, kind of you know uh, explain my my love life problems. I suppose <laughs> yeah. sound you know like the usual <laughs> uh, emotional song, but I think it's an emotional one for me. In in the in the in the, in the more negative kind of sounding way, or the or the the sad, you know, the kind of oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I don't think it's strange at all. I think if you look at um, the the synth, it's almost like a yearning or a forlorning, um, almost like a cry in reality, and yeah. then like the 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 bass, um, arpeggiated or how you program yeah. that out, um, it it like gives a sense of like tension behind the song. Definitely. That was one of those one-off sample things, <laughs> recording that, you know, and, and dropping it in there and arpeggiating it. And yeah. It's funny how I did that stuff. It wasn't, you know, it's very off the cuff kind of stuff. Yeah. This track for, this is like one of my all time favorite tracks. Like uh, of ever. So, I mean, this, this is one that I come back to constantly i don't know why i mean it's one of those songs for me where like the individual parts are good but together they're special there's just something about the way the lead works with the bass with the you know with your chords and everything it's um the drum pattern all of it's just one of those tracks i always look back to i'm like how can i come close to this um so yeah i mean i don't it, it sounds like you're one of those guys that just kind of it, you let it freely happen you're not really you have a theme in mind but you're not too constricted and it just kind of flows that's pretty much how these how these were written right yeah i don't i think and i and i think that was just being naive uh you know because i like i said i wrote drum and bass music and then like ambient music and then like kind of the electro and then lo-fi kind of hip-hoppy stuff and then this was the culmination of like all that stuff and then being like oh but i really love you know 80s drum machines and and i think you know listening to this song i think you know one of my favorite parts is the hi-hats they're just really mm -hmm. weird sounding they're so good the pattern is so great it really is <laughs> yeah they sound like a stick in like a like a five or like a five gallon pail or something like really <laughs> short. i don't know it's a, it's it's interesting how i think these sound now and you know that you know it's just it's crazy too the resurgence I'm, I'm just looking on spotify the songs right now it's got like five million almost six million plays and like a lot of that is uh you know f obviously it's been out for 10 years or whatever but um doja cat had did like a um a little like rap thingy over the top of it uh, a long time oh, ago. Oh, and then and then it was never going to be it was never supposed to come out like i don't know i don't really even remember what happened or when, how it happened but uh and then it became somehow it got leaked and lately it's i don't know i had, I had the link saved but it's got like seventy thousand uses on tiktok the that 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 version and so all the kids are going crazy trying to find this track and like you know it's like it's yeah it's really weird to see how kids are reacting to it because it's like all over tiktok people doing these crazy because i'm just not a big tiktok fan yeah, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah my my uh my stepdaughter is, is a big big tiktoker and uh, it's just you know i i know i just don't get the kids humor these yeah. days the stuff they find funny on there is like mind-blowing i'm like i don't even well, why is this funny? <laughs> how is this crazy yeah. 
see how that really took off and i can i can definitely see a huge bump in the streams of the song because of that so it's like it kind of weirdly gave it a new breath of air um not that i, I think this you know record is ever forgotten because i think it does come from a time period where like this stuff was like you know i'm not like tooting my own horn but i mean this was like a huge shift for for this style of music and and um i, th I think it inspired a lot of people and, and like uh, if that's what i gave to the world you know just aside from the music you know just yeah. that the inspiration for people to write stuff like this you know it's like it's, it's amazing and you know it's like when i listen to this stuff still it's it's i think it's crazy you know yeah. i'm like how do i do this you know i really do think that i'm like i try i really i can remember what you know the songs were about you know in my mind and, and definitely i think that helps in correlation having that narrative helps me remember a little bit more about what they were about as far as the technicalities of things and the, you know things like that and the, the, the technical aspect of the song sometimes i forget um you know what i actually used or you know because i really didn't have that much equipment at that time and i had a very very simple setup i think i was using like a like a one a one in like you know little m audio interface and these these crappy little m audio you know but i honestly every monitors i've had since then i'm like i miss those stupid little monitors i feel like for some <laughs> reason like i just the music like if i had you know if i didn't hear it the way i heard it in that corner in my bedroom i had one of those corner desks with the thing you know it wasn't even like a proper it was not proper whatsoever for writing music but I, there was some sort of magic in that corner i didn't even have a couch when i <laughs> when i lived there i was just wow. like you know i would play you know the, the original xbox like sitting on the floor with, or like using like a outdoor folding chair and like i'd just write music in the other room on that desk and like yeah, i was not concerned with furniture i was trying to buy every piece of music equipment i could get my hands right. on you know? right. um but yeah these this is one of those I think tracks like when I, we listened to it, you know, back after writing, I was like, you know, when it was done, I was like, wow, this is a crazy song. <laughs> you know, and it's got that, you know, sample in the beginning about the guy talking about how to pick up girls on the beach, which comes from an old record, old vinyl record um, about picking up chicks. Um, <laughs> you know, just that, that, that was perfect, perfect for that song. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I really love the fact that it's, been rediscovered um because i i think it, for me it's so special um obviously for everyone here that it's it's very special and it deserves to i think be rediscovered um and and you're right you were i i can only really think of two other guys that were kind of doing similar stuff around the same time i think of like makeup advantage sets 8888 and pilot priests mm -hmm. original motion picture soundtrack or you got like the three of you were the only ones in that kind of vibe if you will. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, the synth wave and all that stuff has really kind of morphed into something else. I mean, like I know Mitch murder was like around back then. And like people, people are just considering that synth wave. And then like, I'm synth wave too, but like, I think our sounds are completely different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's this like other, there's like this, there's synth wave to me. And then there's like this other synth wave to everyone else. And it's very interesting. So I've kind of like, you know, whenever I do interviews now with just, you know, whoever, and they're just kind of like, you know, what I explain, you know, what is your music? I'm like, well, it's down tempo electronic music because it's like, I don't think I fit in a category anymore. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know how to explain it. It's, um, it's like its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't what I, really. 
what I've noticed about yeah. you guys that are, that I've done it um, from the outset is that it's it's just really usually people that have like I want to do my own thing and do what I want to hear, and then because they're all very similar age ish ranges, you like yeah. eighty sci fi, you like John, John Carpenter, whoever. It just that is what it was. There's no there was no coordinated effort between any of the people of, of that era. It was just happened exactly. to be what it was and then the community and everything else came later and so i almost think like synthwave now has only recently become a proper genre because oh, they're sort of agreed terms to what that sounds like now where it's like you you just exist in your own realm and same yeah. with like again pilot priest or or mavs or whoever yeah. it's like they you guys just do what you do yeah it's the pioneers who we were you know we're like the we're like the, the the guys sitting in the temple, you know, <laughs> smoking opium. I don't know, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's like all the all the. It's crazy the hype about it now. Like all the, I just get tons of ads for synthwave merch and like you know, shoes, and it's crazy like where it where it came from in my mm-hmm. mind to where it is now. I think yeah. you know what I mean. I think when I first started this project, I was a huge Neon Indian fan. Alan's a good friend of mine, and. I remember just hearing him use those machines and I was like, I want to do that, but I want to make it a little more sci-fi and like a, a little darker and a little brighter. You know what I mean? And that was a huge inspiration for me, the whole chill wave thing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I really got put into that box for a while and then I just never really felt like I fit. And then, you know, and then Synthwave, I, I've always called myself Synthwave. I think if you listen to my, my, go back and look on my uploads on SoundCloud and see like what I tagged in there. Like I would, I always called it synthwave, and I honestly don't remember that term being used all that much back when I first started. So, you know, I think that was a way for me to, to kind of, you know, classify it, even though, you know, new wave and wave this and wave that, you know, it's like, it didn't really make sense. You know, there's just, there's a million sub genres of sub genres, right. You know, so, you know, yeah, it's it's interesting, and I I guess like it, it's funny for me personally is like whenever I want to introduce someone to what synthwave is, I'll use you as one of the examples. But I'm like, but he's not really synthwave. This just gives you the yeah. the vibe of what other people are trying to achieve, essentially. Yeah, I planted a very weird seed, I think you know, and it like it definitely the plant grew into something you didn't expect. I, I was trying to grow carrots, and like and then watermelons came out. You know, like I don't know, you know right. what I mean. Like right. it's very different and and i do think i fit somewhere in there or, or it's like yeah. when you look at the chronological order of just uh, you know the whole where synthwave is now you definitely could see you, you know the, the the how it started and then and then kind of uh, where it is now i'm curious to see how you know you you've this music has been out long enough for it to have sort of maybe be forgotten and then and then rediscovered by another generation of people and i'm curious how that will influence other people because now it's just instead of being like, well, Comtrues is the the retro sounding guy. It's Comtrues is the retro music. Yeah. And yes, that's what it feels like. I feel old. You know, I feel old. <laughs> I feel like I'm the I'm right. The, you know, I'm the '80s now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. In a weird way. And yeah. so I, I find that really interesting because, um, like, you know, TikTok whether like 13 year olds. I, I don't know yeah. the yeah. average age group, but they're discovering broken date and that to me is like so beautiful definitely even if, if they find out about it in that very 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 roundabout way uh if they can come back and they and they and they can you know it's i remember being that age and falling in love with music you know certain types of music and being, mm-hmm. you know 
I definitely found music in interesting ways back then, you know, random, completely random ways. And Absolutely. like, that's a, you know what I mean? And then it, it like changed my life. So maybe some 13 year old hears that track on TikTok and they do the research and they find it and then they're like, holy crap, like what is, and then they just find this insane body of work from all these artists that they didn't know about before. So I think that is like, that's beautiful to me. You know, like that's, that's how, that's how it happened for me. It just wasn't TikTok, you know, the internet mm -hmm. was still, you know, it wasn't all, all the rage, you know, you know, all the apps and, and the smartphones were still, you know, really, really minimal at that point. Right. And when I started, I think now it's just, you know, but it's also crazy now. I think it's very saturated too. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you, you do have to weed through a lot, but you know, there's definitely a lot of good music out there. Yeah. And what, to your credit, um, you, you bring up a good point. There's a lot of saturation now. I've got a buddy that he basically tracks synthwave. And he said the last time he counted, there was 1600 active synthwave groups, Crazy. which is, which is funny. Cause like I, I made, then made the joke that for every 10 fans, there's three artists for that, for those fans. Um, yeah. cause it's still a relatively small, um, community. Um, yeah. but you still stand out. I, people don't quite, they can't quite crack whatever it is your combination of things are, so it still stands out as something being very unique. Yeah, lucky. <laughs> very, very lucky. Um, so let's go into the, the next song and um, let's talk about it. This is Lucy in Disguise, and you're listening to Paradise Arcade. So, Glauio, is that how you, say, how you say it? Yeah, I believe so. It's a Welsh word. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, it's I, You play this in companion to Broken Date Live. Um, are those two tracks linked together for you? Um, I would say they're, they're the more love, uh, you know, kind of love center, uh, centric, uh, songs. Definitely. Um, I think broken date is the, is the, you know, the, the sad emoji <laughs> talking <laughs> terms for today's youth and, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Glauio is the happy. I think I, you know, just listening to that a little bit, uh, you know, right now is, is like, it sounds sexy to me and mm. i don't know you know like i don't i mean that in a way you know like just like it sounds like i don't know it's got that feeling uh for me it's that's yeah, strange it is seductive yeah um i think the reasoning is just with the 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 drawn out bass and how the the drums kick in it it, it draws you in and obviously there's a little bit of like grit a little bit of yes. like um dirtiness to it and i think that is sexy or seductive yeah that's the t i believe that's the tom drum machine sounds too in that song <laughs> those sound great were you can i ask you were you um did you use any internal like reason stuff or were you only using like external sense were you using like maelstrom or any of that or any of those most um external sense um <clears throat> I did use their effects a lot, like the just the, the reverb. scream. Uh, yes, scream and the and that purple reverb or blue to me. Oh yeah, actually that reverb sounds nice. I love that reverb. That gated verb yeah. out of there is like amazing. 
actually. It's one of my favorites. Um, and I think. Did you have it when it? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Did you have it when it had the pulverizer? Did you were you using that back then, or was oh. that later? Yeah, later. That came later. Um, okay. Okay. Little like uh, those little like uh, rolling, you know, kind of little box effects. Um, the filter a lot, and the. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of what. I think the built-in delay at the time wasn't the greatest. I'm trying to think of that newer effect that was kind of almost like an even tide harmonizer kind of effect that I think that came after, but I really like that effect too. Um, when using, using like putting it on hi hats to make them sound really wide and kind of wobbly. And, oh, nice. Um, you know, for, for, oh yeah, Claudio is like, I believe the matrix six is, is what I used a lot on that. Um, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, it's definitely got that kind of bit crunch quality to it. I think that was really big, and I think you know I went pretty heavy on it in the beginning. Um, like I think a lot of the stuff on In Decay has that same kind of glowio bit crunchy sound, and I kind of dialed it back a little bit because it can be kind of you know it's, it's rough on the ears. I think if it's too noisy, it can make it really noisy and not as smooth. <clears throat> somehow I nailed it in this where it's still it's noisy but it's still smooth it kind of disappears as the song kind of builds and uh, yeah I love playing this one live <laughs> yeah I mean it resonates really really well live um, and what I, I, I keep coming back to as, as you I hear you talk about this is just I want to say the craftsmanship of the songs of all the things that you either had to do because you were limited or because it sounds like you were pursuing a certain tone or effect and the things that you had to do to get that. And I think that's probably what's missing in some other facets of, of music out there is, is that real attention to detail and, and going for something very unique and specific. Yeah. I mean, like I, I always explain it, like, I, you know, if you really listen to this music, I, it's fairly simple in its structure, I suppose. And, and sometimes, you know, the songs are very simple in their the composition, too, uh, you know, the, of the sounds and, you know, what, you know, it's not really. But I think I think it, I was driven to do it uh, in a more simple way because of the way I, I, I just was working, I think. It, it was impossible for me to kind of overcomplicate it. Like it would, you know, I wouldn't have got, and you know, I wouldn't have gotten anything done if I if I tried to complicate it any more than I already did. You know, going back and forth between Ableton and Reason was, you know, and I never, you know, you could um, <clears throat> you could rewire them, and I don't. I'm not trying to remember if you could rewire them together where you could run, you know, Reason through Ableton and, and vice versa. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't even know if that was available. I think that might have been available, but I never did that. I always thought that was like, that was like, well, why not just use Ableton if you're going to do that? You know what I mean? If you're <laughs> a reason through into Ableton as its own channels, like, I'm just going to, you know, record these parts in Ableton and export, like, you know, you know, if it was the lead, like, it would be the whole lead part. So it'd be however long in the song, you know, say it's like the 12 or 14, sec, I don't know, you know, whatever, a minute long of the, of the lead song, it would be a minute long sample. Like I said, you have to start from the beginning every time because you couldn't just start in the middle of it. It was that's like old school, yeah. Yeah, but I really think that 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 made it sound the way it does. Like, you know, I, you know, it took forever to finish a song because you constantly had to listen to it from like the middle. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. the like, I think you know, using the sampler like that, and um, you know, like I said, I would drop in just like single bass notes, and then you know, and then write, you know, write the you know, write the bass melody 
in in a uh in reason that way like i would make the you know just a you know wide open no filter and then i would use the filters in reason like they worked they clearly like this record did mm-hmm. all right and, you know it's like anybody who said ever said anything about well reason you know i'm like well i did it like mm-hmm. I did yeah it. well that's the thing there's always people well you can't do this and that i mean you always prove those people wrong you know what i mean there's no there are really no rules really you know what i mean i always try to tell people that now too i'm like it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter what you use as long as you're like you know you're you're, you know taking your time and you're developing it into something that's like yours and you know what i mean like exactly you know it doesn't matter what you use you know really wide open landscape awesome all right, are we ready to get into the next song, Ether Trip? All right. Hello, this is Dan Terminus, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. I really love this song. Um, so where where does this fall in that in the journey? We're tor- getting towards the end of the album, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, Etherbrief definitely, um, I would say that this is kind of, you know, coming to the realization for the Android that he is screwed, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that he can't have what he wants and he has to live a certain way and, and he's not going to be able to fall in love with, or be with the woman that he wants to love. And, and, and that, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's really what part of the narrative story we're at i think for me it's i think this was more i think of a cinematic kind of a song where i was just kind of you know uh, it's definitely it definitely sounds very emotional to me i can't really piece uh, you know together what i was thinking on that song other than this kind of I don't know, that has to be something I wrote in the summer and then just being hot and like, you know, I remember my tiny porch and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I, uh, it's a crazy, it's a crazy little song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love the the stabs and the, and just how it, how it builds. And I would say that like, that's a pretty consistent thing with with your music is and especially on this album is is how everything kind of builds and these mood shifts and it kind of gives you the impression of of movement and be it emotional or like an actual like event happening yeah i think a lot of this music sounds the way it does too i mean i i would detune everything negative 50 uh centitones like everything you know like all the you know so it was really it took me a long time to tune every you know just like to get it right and like it's all it's it's i think it's detuned to the point where it almost doesn't work but it weirdly does um um and i think it, it all sounds like it sounds really wide and big but it's actually re- like they're, they're very simple sounds and, and i think that's a lot of just like you know detuning everything and I, you know I, I just uh i forgot to mention that glaudio the it means to rain is what that word means oh good um, nice so that's another kind of, you know, that's what that is about. Ether drift is, is, you know, kind of the, I guess, drifting, just, you know, kind of realizing you have to, you know, we really don't have control, I suppose. And you just, you're kind of dealing with it. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I think like my, my big takeaway from this record, whenever I listened to it years ago or even now is like, 
um, I think you're good at you're good at not giving it all away right away. Like you don't give the meat of the song away right away. Do you know what I mean? You you save that sweet spot for a little bit. You'll kind of you'll throw some stuff out there and it takes you on a journey. You don't know where you are. And then when it comes together, it's all flowing. And that I like that. It's not just here's the greatest part of the tune. Here's the chorus right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like teasing uh, with the stuff. Definitely. I, I think, uh, yeah, it's I, I really like intros and outros. And I, sometimes I like them to be from different songs on top of each other. Back, you know what I mean? I really mm-hmm. like that yeah. kind, of, kind of you can be abrupt with it, but still and and have it, you know, kind of be like soft at the same time you know you can still be kind of sharp and like you know you stick something in there and it's Mm -hmm. like you know people weren't expecting it and then it's like you know it's uh yeah it's it's um i was trying to think what i was gonna say about the song but um yeah the drum pattern is is really wacky like i think when the drums come in it's like you're like oh this is not what i thought it's kind of sounds like yeah it's kind of ambient kind of you know, uh, beautiful, pretty song, and then it's just this wacky drum pattern comes in, and, and then it, it like it's really hyper, and then kind of mellows out, and then it's awesome. Um, are we ready to go into the the final song of the record? This is the Motion Epic, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. All right, future world. Um, this is like again it's one of those things it's so clean the high ends are, are high and the, and the lows are lows and the and the, everything just cuts through the mix really really well and it's just it's kind of a weird funky song i guess yeah uh future world is kind of like i think for me it's about the uh you know in the story at least in the narrative it's about um the kind of you know, this android astronaut and the evil overlord are kind of having a battle. Uh, and this is about him realizing he's going to have to do it on his own. And, you know, the pressures that he's facing um, to escape with this uh, alien woman that he loves, um, that he fell in love with. And this is kind of the battle sequence. And, and you know, it's 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 that they're, you know, not necessarily going to win uh, this battle that they have to, to, to escape this you know, kind of tyranny. <laughs> that they're uh, you know dealing with um and i for I, this song is heavily inspired by tron the original tron yeah i hear that a lot mm-hmm. oh yeah um i don't i must have been watching it a lot at that time and and uh but yeah this is one of my favorite tracks it's a slammer it's it's really <laughs> this is, yeah this is heavy. it's like if, if if there was one track on the record that's heavy metal it's like that you know this future <laughs> the banger, you know the rides and it's just like and i love how the beat's straight too but that that bass line is so just like like all those like it's just very it's like pickup notes almost you know what i mean they sound it sounds so fluid that's that's another of the like dropping the sample in the sampler and then playing it like a real crazy way and, and the way that like you know the you know the sample plays when you put it in the in a sampler it's not you know it's it's, it's, it's as you go higher in, in you know octaves and things like that it gets like shorter and it doesn't mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't it's not spread the same way and it's like uh i couldn't achieve it a bass sound like that by just like firing up a mini mode or something and playing like it wouldn't have the same yeah yeah 
kind of stabbiness and and that's always been a thing with my music and definitely like even from 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 2011 to now it's like if it's a stabby bass like this it's it's most most likely done with the computer and uh, virtual instruments or samples on the computer using a computer sampler um unless it's like a long pad style you know kind of droning bass that's then i'll use a, a a real you know a real synth i think you know um the sound might start from a real synth now, but it's always put into a sampler because I like that I can control how sharp it is much more doing it that way than like just sending MIDI trying to play it from a, you know, especially one of these old ones, they just like, they don't like it. You know, they don't <laughs> like that fast information coming, you know, all the mm-hmm. time and then they get jumbled up. So yeah, this is, that's, that's the technique I really use for a lot of the bass on this record was, you know, the real stabby stuff was loading a sample in and playing it and, and, you know, kind of writing it out that way to get that real sharp effect. And uh, yeah, I still, I still enjoy doing that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, again, like I've just, cause you know, having used reason and then just knowing everything that goes into what you're doing for these tracks again I'm, I'm still i'm just so impressed and like you know gobsmacked at the, the what you do to to create these sounds and yeah i loved that uh the it's the nnxt sampler ah the nnxt yes yes there you go there you yeah go. That, I love that, that thing one. you can yeah. do some really interesting stuff with your uh, sounds you dropped in there I, I think it's cool you do that too because that is like i come from a hip-hop background like i used to use an npc 3000 when i was a kid my dad had a 60 and like you had no sample time and yeah. you know you had to kind of do the best with what you had and in doing that it pushed you to do kind of stuff you wouldn't normally do but that's cool that you do that because i've never really thought of doing that like and that that actually would create a different sound it makes you do different things yeah you know i mean I think that's yeah I think a lot that's why this record sounds the way it does because it is mostly sampled like that like it's it's sample sounds I made and then put into a sampler you know I made that's them specifically to put in there like you know just like uh you do a quick click on something like a, a really quick sharp note hit and then just trail the reverb out and use that as the lead you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it was doing things like that because you didn't really <laughs> I couldn't I didn't know what I was doing really you know yeah I mean? like that's awesome I was still trying to figure out the sound and then yeah all the drums though <clears throat> i will play all the drums for for most of this uh early music um i'm trying to think until we're all programmed in um reason with the redrum redrum I'd, I'd have like like 10 redrums i'd have one redrum <laughs> just for high like, <laughs> the high hats or just one redrum for the open hat just to like shape it a different way yeah yeah we're at the samplers and that wasn't that was uh and i think the drums still have that throwback quality to you know to their respective machines because i didn't put them in the sampler and i didn't really change them all that much just enough where they sounded different but new um you know they weren't you know i didn't really change them too much you know it's like uh yeah yeah it's interesting i didn't put those in a sampler but i put you know everything else like the drum sampler but the drum sampler like on the channel you really didn't have that many options to change it you saw velocity the filters and uh, volume and things like that but you weren't really you were really shaping the sound or sculpting it in any way you'd have to use effects after the after the fact outside of that internal chain that the redrum has and you know i I didn't really use i never used drum loops or anything like that um like maybe some hi-hat stuff or, or, or like weird percussion stuff but it was mostly just all 
drawn out program hits, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever crash your computer? Cause you're saying you've got like 10 read drums open at once doing stuff like <laughs> that's gotta be taxing on your computer. You know, I never, I mean, it would be, yeah, it used to get clunky there, but, um, but not too bad. Um, it's, which is interesting because when you put like, say, you know, I, you drop the lead part of a song in and then it's got to play out for the rest. You know what I mean? Like that, sometimes that is really taxing. And I think I worked with a, a pretty high, um, buffer rate yeah <laughs> compensate for that um but yeah now now it's i said run into that a lot more now that i don't use reason as much because ableton you know there's all the plugins are different and it's just like you know i, I could run into stuff I, I you know it crashes all the time <laughs> yeah, you know reason's cool now because i they i got it recently and the newest one and you can just open it as a plugin like in yeah. ableton yeah. yeah i love that that's great I, when I was getting into K2, uh, ready to go, I had to go in and open up like all these old tracks and like there was missing sounds and I'd have to say, man, I had to go through like so many hard drives to find like, like weird, you know, sounds that I had put into samples so I could, you know, I was just kind of sprucing up the tracks and I was just like going through and looking how at the, the period when reason shift where you could, uh, shifted where you could drop audio right in there on the, on the timeline and, and mm-hmm. like, you could see how he went from using the samplers to like really trying to do the audio in there because you could play it from the middle or wherever you wanted to start didn't matter you didn't start from the beginning and you know you know i was like you know i added some things to some older tracks and some different things just to kind of finish them so it was nice to just be able to keep that reason sound that you know that i really loved and then but i could just drop the audio in instead of having to make a new sampler and like you know, and then I could mix the sound in much easier than, than before, before I'd have to, I really, you know, how you can flip it around and rewire everything. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, you know, I'd have to do that because it would never wire the right way. Yeah. Know, that's right. Yeah. Chain. yeah. It's part so of I'd the fun to, reason. But now, you know, finishing up those songs for Indie K2, it was nice to just go in there and drop audio in, but still have that same, you know, quality of those original songs. Like they sounded like they did when I made them, you know what I mean? Like they didn't lose that. That's awesome. Part, you know? So, uh, you know, we've, we've closed out the, the album. What closing thoughts or final thoughts do you have for Galactic Melt? Well, it's the 10-year anniversary this year. Uh, and I think Ghostly's doing something very special. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, another thing to note that the title track of the record <laughs> finally came out. Uh, I mean, it was... Uh, you could only get it through digital download of the, from the vinyl when the record came out. Um, and then the digital bonus track was Corova, um, which like, I love that song. Yeah. 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 And then I, I, but I mean, Galactic Melt, the actual song is definitely one of my favorites. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that there was a title track. We tried to, I tried to be weird with stuff, you know, back then and <laughs> wanted to be, uh, make it kind of, you know, it's hard to get or whatever, you know, like just, just right. not, not the format. So, um, but I, I really think this record has shaped me and I've ever, you know, I've, I've, I've been held to this, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, everything since this has been held to this kind of what this record did, you know, and it's been interesting to see and, and, and people have been pretty open about stuff and, you know, but I, I do, uh, I do actively, you know, listen to it and try to get back to that kind of simpler sound um, to try to, uh, you know, it's just, I think it, it sounds better, you know, to, mm-hmm kind of loosen things up and, and it's it's i feel like i got really dense for a while you know so like it's 
you were experimenting. You were you were figuring stuff out and just seeing what happened and the joy of discovery of what you were doing. So it seems like a, a brighter time, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Ben, what do you got for Seth while we've got him? I just, you know, thank you for this record, and it was a pleasure to to talk to you. And um, yeah, I appreciate you and the music, and and uh, I'm glad I discovered it. Awesome! Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. It was that was yeah. fun to. Uh, it was a memory lane. I, it was a lot. Last year was 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 digging up the old songs from mm-hmm. from 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 you know for the Indicate Two, and then you know this year is the Galactic Mount Ten Year. It's crazy to think this was ten years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Time flies. Yeah, it still holds up too. So that's you know. Well, I think it's it's just one of those. It's a classic at this point. I think we want to point to electronic music, and you know, beyond. I know that begrudgingly or not, but whatever. It's like it fits in synthwave, but I think it stands apart on its own. If you want to say you want to listen to a really good electronic music album, this is something that you put on. You know, I think it holds up with uh, you know Boris of Canada or anybody else, and I think. Uh, it's so striking uh, on its own that it can't not help but hold up because it it's just so experimental and, and so pure um, and doing interesting things uh, with this record. And, and, and obviously you've gone on to do that. So that's not a, a slight against all your other material, oh, yeah. you know, um, uh, so it, I really appreciate you taking the time. And again, holy crap, I didn't realize it, we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary. So um, thanks, Seth, for your time um, and really appreciate you sitting and talking to us about this record. It's really important to myself and Ben, obviously, and, and Kyle, who couldn't be here. Um, so, you know, until next time, this is Eric. 